Thanks for checking out the Anchor Faith Message Podcast from St. Augustine, Florida. Now enjoy this message. So this is exciting, and I believe that the timing of this meeting is very important for the church, Anchor Faith Church specifically, because of all that God's called us to do. Amen? Amen. So as we have ears to hear and then apply it to our lives, I'm telling you, the next time I bring Bishop here, he won't even recognize us anymore. He'll say, that's, I don't know if we're the first, but he's going to be able to say, that church did the word. Are you hearing me? Would you give a warm welcome to Bishop as he comes? Praise the Lord, everybody. Please have your seats. Love you, love the Lord. Say amen. amen. If somebody forced you to be here, say thank you, Jesus. <laughs> every night, every night. Let's <laughs> check in the accent. Amen. <laughs> Do we have any other people from the Caribbean here tonight? Anybody born in the Caribbean? One, two, three. For God bless you. You know what we say? We say, if, if I, when I die, heaven doesn't want me, send me to Trinidad. <laughs> Hallelujah. That's the next best place. Amen? And uh, anytime you come to Trinidad, make sure you get Tobago in. Amen? I remember, I think it was 2018, I went to Hawaii, came back to Trinidad, and I went to Tobago, and I'm sure we're better than Hawaii. <laughs> of course, I'm biased, you know. Hawaii, you have to take a submarine to go find the, the coral. You can sit on a glass bottom boat in, our, in Tobago and see the coral. And then you can go a mile out into the sea, step out, and the water is only at your knee. And then we have a pitch lake where all the asphalt comes from the center of the earth. And you have to know where to stand at was goodbye. <laughs> That's okay. You know, we're a small place, but at one time we had 1% of the world's oil reserve. That's our country. Amen. God blessed us. Praise God. Amen. Well, this is my final night being here. I'll see you all in heaven. <laughs> For sure. Amen. Go with me to Genesis chapter 1. And next time I come back, who's responsible? Is it Joshua? Who's responsible for the song systems? They need to make sure I have a head mic, okay? This, I'm too old to be sticking my hand up in the air. <laughs> oh, Lord, my church, they fight with me on that. Lift the mic. Okay, give me that. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. You know, God can only have one name. God's name has to be I am, which they said without the cons, without the vowels, it's Y-H-V-H or Y-H-W-H. And when you pronounce it, you get yah, ha, va, or wa, or ha. It's a breath. It's the source of existence. You see, God's name couldn't be God because there was nothing else besides him. His name could not be creator because he had no creation. He was and everything else was not. And that's why the ultimate name of God is I am that I am, or Jehovah, or Yahweh, or Yahovah, not Allah. 
Are you hearing me? And that's how powerful. So when Jesus said before Abraham was, ego e me, in the Greek word, which means I, I am, he was claiming to be the unoriginal God because everything else was not, was not. You see, your, your parents named you princess because they had high hopes for you. <laughs> but at least they compared, they had something to compare it to. If they named you Rocky, amen. Well, God had nothing to compare himself to. So he was just, he was. I am. Hallelujah. That's the pedigree we are from. And you have to understand, if God cannot hand you something and it's not already prepared, he could make it for you. Are you hearing me? We are part of that creative force and energy. God, he, he said, let there be light. And then he says, we are the children of the light. We belong to the kingdom of light. We are a city of light. Yeah. Amen. We are that creative force and energy to bring change. And therefore, you've got to learn to believe in yourself. The Bible says in Colossians, I think it's one twelve. he says, giving thanks unto the Father who has made us fit to be partakers of the kingdom of light. Yeah. Are you hearing me? We're here to bring change and bring transformation. We are, and listen to me. The bigger the, the Bible says, God will never let you have more than you're able to handle. So God did not put us in the first century AD. He didn't put us in the second century AD. He waited till the worst of times to bring us. He must have trusted us a lot. Uh, turn to your neighbor and say, you are awesome. You are awesome. Hallelujah. Amen. And that's an important thing for you to learn. Learn to understand that you are awesome in God, that you're here to bring change. Amen. You're here to transform your family. You're here to be a fulcrum of change. Hallelujah. Amen. Don't worry about the world. I, don't, I do some studies of eschatology, but not too much. I'm a more of a church and kingdom kind of guy. Can't get around this fella here. Kingdom, 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 kingdom. <laughs> Hallelujah. Praise God. So in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, and the earth was without form and void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep. And the Spirit of the Lord moved upon the face of the waters. I want you to know in your deepest, darkest situation, the Holy Spirit is present. But he's waiting for you to connect. He's waiting for you to decide. The Bible tells us in the book of James chapter 1 that God doesn't want you to be double-minded. You need to decide. what. If you don't even make a decision, God doesn't even know what to do for you. When the blind Bartimaeus came before Jesus, Jesus watched him and says, what would you have me to do? Everybody watched around and says, is this really Jesus? The man blind. He may not have wanted his eyes. Samson didn't ask for eyes. Samson asked for the power to push down the building. Amen. And God will meet you according to your desire, according to your faith. And therefore, you need to straighten and clarify that. You need to load your spirit, load your emotions, load your soul before you release your lips. The word of faith is ninety, even in your mouth and in your, your heart. Too many word of faith people are shooting out their mouths without connecting it to their heart. Amen? And that's what meditation is about, taking time to study the word of God. And I said yesterday, most of the places that you're having difficulty, you cannot tell me 10 scriptures in that area. Your husband giving trouble, learn 10 scriptures about marriage. 
Amen. Your children give in trouble, learn 10 scriptures. Learn to speak them over and over. Find having financial difficulties, find 10 scriptures. And don't just rattle them off, of course, juice them. <laughs> Amen. Meditate them. Think about what do they mean? What does it mean to my reality? Because truth is more powerful than facts. Jesus said, if you continue my word, then you shall be my disciples indeed. And you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. The word free means to be free from all mortal, moral, and ceremonial liability. When you were a slave, you were mortally connected to your, to your, to your Lord. He could kill you. You were morally connected because if he did not kill you, you had to live for him. And ceremonially, there's some things you could not do. Gee, God wants to free us from that connection to the world where we feel that we need to behave in a certain way to be accepted by them. Are you hearing me? That's why one of the first things he said, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he's anointed me to preach good news to the poor. Please note I didn't say the gospel, I said good news. The day is not there. And it's simply good news, revelation, knowledge. Amen? The thing that brings you into the image and likeness of God, firstly, is knowledge. Amen? You grow into revelatory knowledge. You're going to even a higher dimension. Amen? Do they call you Pastor Kaina? Can you stand? I see God visiting you, and I see God visiting you with joy. And I see God literally bringing you back into a refreshing season. I see right now it's almost as though there's a, a feeling of disconnection in certain perspectives. And you are like at a passage, like a why in the road concerning your own life on things on the inside. But God says if you would take time and yet you will seek after him personally, God says he will refresh you and you're going to find yourself falling, walking in the fullness of what God has, has designed, designed for you. There's a part of you that is asking, is this all? And God is saying, no, this is not all. God says he has a place for you. And God says he's, he's going to use you to bring a new song in the earth. He's going to use you to bring transformation through words, etc. But God says he has his, if you hold on to him through this season. Because this season, is a, it seems to be a season of dryness, a season of, of, of questioning a lot of different things. But that's okay. Once you come back, once you go through that season, you're going to find yourself coming out as a giant in the spirit. God bless you, my brother. Amen. Praise God. The word, the word. <laughs> and God said, let there be light. And there was light. And light is one of the key issues. That all, that remember we said in wisdom's right hand is what? Long life. In her left hand are honor and riches. So if you have a financial problem, you have a wisdom problem. Are you with me? Then they will say, I'm kind of concerned about your wisdom. <laughs> Don't be intimidated. I got your back. <laughs> it's our ability to tap into divine wisdom. And divine wisdom, firstly, divine wisdom is the character of God that expresses itself in knowing the right thing to do at the right time in the right attitude. The wisdom from above is first pure, peaceable, easily entreated, without partiality, without hypocrisy, full of good fruits. Amen? Etc. Etc. And the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. The fear of the Lord is not all of wisdom. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. So God starts us off in the moral plane and then he releases us from that trajectory to authority. 
Wisdom is the mechanism by which the gods fight. The Bible says, thou shalt have no gods before me. There are other gods who are seeking your worship. They're seeking your, uh, your homage, amen? Poverty is one of the major demons, major spirits in the, in, in, the, in the spirit world because he damages and ravages families, he ravages nations, he ravages whole continents. He's a massive spirit, amen? Amen? And we are here to break his back. Are you with me? Hallelujah. Amen. All right. Now, what I want to show you, the first gift that actually God gives to man is light. The Bible says, the poor and the rich, the Lord lighteneth them both. Now, for any of you who know sailing, and especially sailing by wind, it does, you can have four boats or four ships leaving and going in four different directions with the same wind if they change their sails. And the ability for you to perceive knowledge in the right way is what gives you sails to be able to handle the winds of the spirit. It matters not whether you are under persecution or whether you're in a season where people are acclaiming you. In fact, sometimes the seasons of your acclamation are the most dangerous seasons because praise sometimes can make you foolish. Are you with me? But with the time, that I, and we said last night that, that persecution predates promotion as a principle. Persecution predates promotion as a principle. But the problem with most people is that they get so focused on vengeance. And I'll show them what, I'll show them which monkey tree to climb and I'll get them, that they miss out on the blessing that is designed. You see, you gotta understand that one third of the angels, it seems, that fell. And sometimes they know when their brethren are coming in a season at you to help bring promotion in your life. So they show up in the flesh quicker. And because of our own carnality, many times we're able to sense the work of the flesh faster and stronger. And we react to that. Are you with me? But you have to understand, just like Job, after Job handled his persecution, he was promoted. Joseph, he had, Joseph had 13 years of it because he had a, I mean, he lived a long life. He lived about 100 and something, I think it was. I can't remember now. I think it was 110 or something so. But he lived a long life in leadership in a foreign land. He was prepared for that. Daniel, amen? Daniel is actually one of those. Daniel and Joseph represents those captivity captive. Bible says Jesus, when he raised them from the dead, he led captivity captive, and he gave gifts unto men, some apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. And a captivity captive is when you took over a nation, you would strip of its, strip of its leadership and bring it to your country. You'd put them in jail for a season, and then you would give them the opportunity between debt and working in your public service. That's exactly what they did with Daniel. And, Dan, and Jesus, when he resurrected from the dead, he also did the same thing, except he didn't take us up to physical heaven. He gave men to be apostles, prophets. That's why there is no generation in this world that can figure out what God is doing without connection to the men of God, because they're the prime leaders. There were reasons that they did this, amen? Now I'm gonna go into all that lessons for you. Amen, you can go search it out. But it's important to understand that when you are connected to a man of God, you are connected to one of the earth leaders that God himself has discerned. Are you with me? Yes. Now you love your pastor, amen? Yes. Let's try that one more time. You love your pastor? Yes. You'd fight for him? Yes. You sure? Yes. You don't have him for dessert at home? <laughs> <laughs> I tell the guys, you go home, you cuss the pastor out, when your wife giving you trouble, and she will, who you gonna call? Ghostbusters? 
Amen? If you and your wife sat down and you eat your pasta, when the children start thinking you're old and outdated, who are you going to call? Amen? The shepherd comes as a balance to your home and the honor that you put upon him, when he turns up, that honor comes back to be able to establish divine order. Remember, the head of the wife or the woman is the husband. The head of the husband is? Is Christ, not God. Go read 1 Corinthians 11 again. The head of the man is Christ. The head of Christ is God. And it's not because God expected leadership to come from the body of Christ. So many times the people between the Democrats and Republicans, they're just fighting for who can get into power so they can pay back their lobbyists or whoever got them there. Amen? Many times they don't understand real, nor are they committed. Many of them, I'm not saying all, they're not committed to the real problems of society. Amen? And that's where God has called his leadership to be able to deal with the real situations of your life. Amen? Praise God. So the first gift that God gives is light. It's your consciousness, your ability to think, your ability to, to be, your essence, etc. Then God, he established an environment for mankind. And I said in verse 31, God saw everything that he had made and behold, it was very good. Now, if you look at the earth and you don't like it, you have a different opinion to God. And that's part of the reason why many people don't prosper because they, they're, not, they, they're hyper-spiritual. You know, even if you read the book of Revelation 21 and 22, the new Jerusalem comes back to the earth. Regardless of your astrological belief, it all ends up, one says we're going to be raptured up, seven years tribulation, we're going to be up there, married supper of the Lamb, come back down. One says three and a half years, go up, come back down. One says the whole tribulation, <clears throat> go up, Married supper lamp, come back down. One says we're going to meet them in the clouds. I'm not sure where their marriage supper is, but maybe it's the destruction of the horses. And, but it always ends up with us being right back. Yeah. The heavens is the, but the earth hath he given to the sons of men. The, the meek shall inherit thee. Let us make man our image and give him dominion over thee. The earth. Amen. And you've got to learn to appreciate what God has given to you. This is your inheritance. Are you with me? Oh, Lord, Bishop, you took away my heaven. <laughs> where God is, is heaven. Amen? It's like you say, where your wife is or where your husband is, that's home. Are you with me? All right? So God saw it very good. And then, go across to chapter 2. Verse 8. And God planted a garden eastward in Eden, and he put man whom he had formed. So... And then he put the rivers in, etc., etc. Go down to verse 14. And the name of the third river is Hidel, that is that which goeth towards the east of Assyria, and the fourth river is Euphrates. And the, oh, sorry, sorry, my bad. Verse 11. The name of the first of the rivers was Spison, that is which compassed the whole land of Havilah, where there is gold. And the gold of that land is? The gold of that land is? Now that's important, because before God thinks about man being alone, he thinks about gold. Because the quality of your gold life will determine the quality of the wife you have choice over. Women are not stupid. People keep calling women gold diggers. What are they supposed to be, mud diggers?
Because <laughs> you're broke, you have a term for them. You understand? I thought mean, when it comes to wisdom, you see, when God decided to give women as a help meet to man, it wasn't in physical force. We can run faster, jump longer, etc. It was in wisdom. In fact, so much so that the devil didn't even bother to talk to man. And Adam didn't even ask a question because he understood that the woman under God possessed a greater perceptive ability. When it comes to wisdom, this is my belief, my heresy. <laughs> it's donkey, it's man. And sometimes we're not sure. Sometimes donkey have to prophesy to man. Above man, woman, and above woman, the devil, then God, when it comes to the levels of wisdom. However, God commanded the woman's wisdom to be placed in subjection to the man whom God has ordained to give leadership. Are you with me? Now, <laughs> if you ever in doubt as what to do, just ask your wife. She already knew. 90, now, 90% of the times your wife is right. It's only the 10% of the times when she wants to give you a fruit salad <laughs> from the wrong tree, okay? Now, <laughs> now, of course, Adam, what he should have done was, according to one of the great apostles we ever produced in our country, is cut the tree down. God did never said, don't touch it. He said, don't eat from it. So instead of watching the temptation every day, he should have cut the tree, dragged it across the garden, and threw it out. And that's what Jesus did. That's why he had to carry the cross on the, on the, on the Via Della Rosa. Because that Adam should have done that. You know what I'm saying? Don't leave temptation in front of the house. Kill it. Are you hearing me? Amen? Hmm. So, then he puts man to sleep when he realizes. He brings the animal. And he, that's to teach us all kinds of lessons. I gave you all the dog lesson the last time. You understand? That dog prevailed. At least no woman tried to bust my head after I said that. In my chest, they were pretty angry. <laughs> all right, the dog prevailed, not the lion. And I said that because the dog is loyal. When a man calls a woman a, a female dog, you, you're demeaning dogs. Because dogs are loyal. Amen? When a woman calls a man, you're nothing but a dog. No, you're demeaning dogs. Dogs are loyal. Amen? And we said that you're never going to find a perfect woman. What you have to do is train her. So the difference between a dog for free and a dog for 10,000 is that it can take training. The difference between a $10,000 dog and a $50,000 dog is how quickly it can take training. So if you know that God has big things for you, make sure that your dog is not free. Are you hearing me? I'll leave that there for now while I'm still ahead, okay? <laughs> now, he put man to sleep, and I am so tempted, but I can't do it. Go to Job chapter 33 where it talks about, don't go, I can't take you there, but it talks about God speaks to man in sleep, and every night when you go into REM sleep, deep sleep, God is speaking to you. God left a back door like a programmer into every human being. And whether you remember your dreams or not, it doesn't mean that you didn't dream. And it doesn't mean it was not of consequence. Nebuchadnezzar could not remember his dream, and it had worldwide consequence. In fact, it had intergenerational consequences. And Daniel had to come and tell him 
what, what was the dream and what was the interpretation thereof. So sometimes when you're thinking in the day and a thought just comes, it's God. And that's why many times as I see people getting older, the enemy tries to attack their sleep time because God is constantly trying to pull you back into purpose. You know, some of them saying. And according to Job, that if you're in a bed of affliction and you're, you're all drying up and all that, he says if you can interpret your dream or you can get a messenger, either the angel that are assigned to you, you can learn to hear him, or a prophetic person comes, or I believe even the Bible talks about the, the, the calling of the elders to get to pray over you, there are many times a, re, a ransom can be brought for you. I can't go into this, take me too much time, okay? But one day, one day, okay? But you, somebody can run with that, okay? But God is constantly trying to redeem you. That's why some of these people on a sick bed for a year. It's not that God is trying to be wicked. It's he's trying to give them time to, to adjust. Some of those people should not even die. The reason why, you see, purpose makes you immortal. Okay. You understand what I'm saying? Until you fulfill your purpose, you should not die. You don't have the right to die. Say after me, I don't have the right to die until I fulfill my purpose. But if you're not fulfilling your purpose, you leave yourself open to the enemy. And that's the problem, okay? And you cannot be attacked outside the realm that you have opened. You see, Job said, that which I greatly feared, this is a word of faith, church, that which I greatly feared has come upon me. God has not given you the spirit of fear. That's why I say the emotion that you entertain is a frequency to the spirit world to call spirits to you. If you are depressed constantly, that's why David said, I will give him the sacrifice of joy. When you, when you open up yourself to certain types of stuff, and you women have to be extremely careful because this is where if you don't understand how to move in your wisdom, because you are so sensitive to the spirit, and to this vulgarity of the spirit realm plus your hormonal reality. If you don't take control of that, in fact, 80% of divorces now are programmed by women. They're breaking up the families. In the black community, your white people are no trouble. And it's then lynching people are no trouble. Most black people die through abortion. Over 15 million abortions. We ought to be more careful of women womb in our community than the white man. I'm leaving the day after, so. <laughs> Are you hearing me? But it has to do with emotions and controlling those type of stuff. In fact, they tell you after one year of marriage, the average woman gets bored. Keep your straight face, keep a straight face. Your husband is looking at you right now. <laughs> and you have got to learn how to handle your emotions. Amen? If you, you know, most men, they get involved with women because she's happy. Oh, she makes me feel so good. She laughs at my joke. And once the honeymoon is over, oh my God. I mean, you all heard the story already, right? One day Satan dropped in a church. The deacon disappeared. The pastor disappeared. The church got emptied out. And Satan walked one guy standing up there. And Satan comes and says, I'm the prince of darkness. Don't you fear me. I can rip you to pieces. He's not worried about you. I've been married to your sister for 40 years. <laughs> Amen. Because while the man is the head of the house, the woman is the heart of the house. 
In fact, if you consider the Bible, it says a woman, a wise one builds a house, but a foolish one tears it down by her hands. You understand? Therefore, the quality of woman that you marry will determine even the wisest man in the world, Solomon, was pulled down by women. David, a man after God's own heart, had it redirected by women. Poor John the Baptizer lost his head because of a woman. Are you hearing me? We in sin because of a woman. Right. But <laughs> you all are highly important for redemption. Are you hearing me? Women were first at the tomb. Women gave birth to, to Jesus. Are you hearing me? They were the ones that were supporting his ministry. Amen. Many times, you women, you many times will, will in fact, many times men don't even come to church with their wives and not come to church. <laughs> you women help put that, put that proper energy into your house. You have to understand how valuable you are. Are you with, are you with me, woman of God? He might control the money, but that's only money. You control the honey. Are you hearing me? And men kill for that. Amen? Go across to chapter 3. And the man, verse 12, And the man said, the man said, The woman whom thou givest to be with me, she gave me the tree, gave me of the tree, and I did eat. And the Lord God said unto the woman, What is this that thou hast done? And the woman said, The serpent beguiled me, and I did eat. And the Lord God said unto the serpent, Because thou hast done this, thou art cursed above all cattle and above every beast of the field. Upon thy belly thou shalt go. Drop down to 15. And I will put enmity between thy seed, between thee and the woman, and between thy seed and her seed. And it shall bruise thy head, and thou shalt bruise his heel. Unto the woman he said, I will greatly multiply thy sorrow and thy conception. I will greatly multiply thy sorrow and thy conception, and sorrow shall thou bring forth children, and thy desire shall be to thy husband, and he shall rule over thee. In other words, he gave women sexual strength, sexual energy. And sexual energy is something that is extremely important for a man in your house. I know I'm not here to teach on money, but if the energies of your house is off the whack, your husband cannot program himself for wealth. In our country, I tell them real simple. In my country, it's real simple. I said, who are more humble, the Indian wives or the Afrocentric wives? Everybody says, the Indian wives. I said, who got more money? The Indians. I said, try to put the two together and you'll understand. You see, because if a man is pursuing sexual energy and he's running women because he's not been ministered to at home, you see, he's going to find himself redirected from being able to focus on God. If you want the warning about the, the bad woman, just read Genesis, just read Proverbs 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, all the way up to 31. It basically warns you. So you have a tremendous ministry to protect your husband, to make sure that he's satisfied in that area so that he can give his energy to that which is, which is right. Are you with me? Okay. Now, the word of a woman is a very powerful thing. I want you to know that. I know we men, we look all tough and all strong, etc. But Samson is the ultraman. And where did he lose his hair? On a woman's lap. Because women, you see when the Bible says, God told me one day, he says, when I told, me, I said men should not wear that which pertain to women, and women should not wear that which pertain to men, I wasn't really talking about clothing. I was talking about energies. Women should not walk in masculine energy. You shouldn't try to be a man. It is a, your strength is in your femininity. When femininity at its height, which is Delilah, meets masculinity at its height, which is Samson, masculinity bows. 
Understand? The way to influence your husband is by being, okay, according to the book of First Peter chapter 3, is by your obedience to the word in a humble, in a humble spirit. Are you hearing me? Now, all right. Now, this portion of scripture is also translated, the desire of the woman shall be to rule over her husband, but in the end, he will rule over her. There's another version that puts it like that, because there's always be a wild side of a woman that she has to bring on, she has to harness, okay? And as I'm saying, if you marry a godly woman, she will lead you into godliness, but if you marry an ungodly woman, she will lead you into ungodliness, just like Sam Solomon found out, and many of the kings of, of Israel. Unto the man, he says, verse 17, unto Adam he said, because thou hast hearkened unto the voice of thy wife, and hast eaten of the tree, of which I commanded thee, saying, thou shalt not eat of it, curses the ground for thy sake. And so shalt thou eat of it all the days of thy life, thorns also, and thistles shall it bring forth to thee. And thou shalt eat the herb of the field, and the sweat of thy face shalt thou eat bread, till thou return unto the ground. Now, listen to what he says here in the first part. Because thou hast hearkened unto the voice of thy wife. And that's why God gave men financial strength. Women have sexual energy, sexual strength. And there's an exchange that, that takes place in marriage. There are 20, about 22,000, about 2,500 billion years. 23, about, let's say about 2,200 around there. Only 200 of them are female and 100 of them inherited. Not because women are not as smart as men, but women recognize that their true placement is in building families. Yes. And one time I was taking a trip, coming back from a conference, and I was, I think it was United, I was up there in first class, and I had the, the, the manager of a major gas company next to me. And she told me, she said, if my husband made so much or so much money, I would come home. Because when I spoke to women who are at the highest level, they said it's a boys' club and it's a waste of their energy that they sacrifice family for this nonsense. Are you hearing me? Let men go out there and make all that and fight and mix with the dirt. Amen? We need our wives as much as possible to put the, the, the children's character in place. A child, 75% of a child's character is formed by five and about 75 by 10. And you can't afford that to be put in by ungodly people. Now, thank God, I understand some families really need to work, and you can find a godly environment, amen? But the most powerful person who can see the destiny and program the destiny of a child is the parent. Yeah. Are you with me? Yeah. Amen? This is the reason, the reason why men like breasts, and they don't even know, is because it sends a, a signal to the man that this woman can take care of his child. Yeah. That's why. That's why the average man don't even know what to do with breasts. I'm leaving tomorrow and I'm leaving. <laughs> oh Lord Jesus. <laughs> stone him, stone him. <laughs> All right. Let's see where we can go here. <laughs> now, go with me to Psalm 127. I'm running off my message, but I, I, I failed to do this. The program of God is to build your, is to build you the man first, because man is the foundation of the family. That's why it's called a family, not a mammaly. And while women control sex, if you rape your wife, you go to jail. Does that happen here in Florida? You can't rape a wife, right? 
That's a jailable offense in my country. Huh? Women control sex. Men control who gets married. Are you hearing me? And the big problem for women these days is that the men are not marrying us. And part of the reason is because you carry, some of you, because you are not walking in femininity. Amen? So the man is kind of scared that sometimes I'm doing weddings, I've done over 100 weddings, I'm marrying two men. There's one in a female body. Amen? Understanding how to walk in femininity, to support a husband, to support a man, and give him, uh, and sometimes because, you know, you saw your mother struggling, she had to enter into masculine energy because there was not a proper order. Amen? Now, there are five phases to a man's life. It'll be found in Genesis chapter 1. The first phase of a man's life is learning. God said, let us make man our image and likeness. He didn't say create. He said make. The first phase is learning, where man becomes competent in all different dimensions. And the, the aim of that competence is to learn to dominate his geographic location for survival. Because mankind is the only element that is not created immediately adaptable to his immediately in control of his environment. When a fish is born, he can swim. A bird is born, well, a little while after, he flies. If you leave the average baby for half an hour, he will die. Are you with me? He has to be taken care of. And so the first phase of a man's life, as I said, is learning, where he learns all different competences. The second phase of a man's life is wealth development. All right, the Bible said the rich rules over the poor and the borrower is servant to the lender. The way that you handle your knowledge and you handle your competences will determine how you go into the wealth dimension. So your wealth proves whether you are a person of knowledge. The Bible says in Proverbs 24, verses 3 and 4, a house is built by wisdom, established through understanding, and by knowledge shall the chambers there be full of good and pleasant riches. Anything you don't know to do is because you lack knowledge, and you hear most everything is learnable. You may not always be as good as Michael Jordan, but you could learn to show three sh shoot three shots, three, three, three points if, you, if, you, if you're trained. Are you with me? The third phase of a man's life is purpose or spiritual warfare. And that comes, you, you, the Bible says, first that which is natural, then that which is spiritual. That's why Jesus said, if you can't handle unrighteous mammon, who will give you true riches, which is one, a wife, and which is two, your purpose. Okay. Amen? So you have to learn. So handling money is a phase of a man's life. Now, please note, at that phase, when a man comes to understand why he was born, as it was Mark Twain who said, there are two most important days in a man's life, the day he was born and the day he finds out why. But if you're just struggling for existence because you haven't done the first phase properly, then you're not, you're not gonna find the first two phases properly, then you're not gonna find yourself moving into the realm of understanding purpose. Are you with me? When you enter into the realm of your purpose, your genius shines forth. Your ability to function is at a different level because you are in the place of your genius. Now, there's sometimes some people skip the second phase and go across to the third phase, and then they're hindered because if you can't handle money and you're ingenious, you end up in some serious trouble. Okay? Now, please note something here. I said nothing, well, I shouldn't have said it, but manhood has nothing to do with a woman because man was created before woman, and therefore manhood cannot be defined in the context of womanhood. So when the average person says, a man is a man who loves his wife, a man is a man who takes care of his children, no, you're describing a husband and a father. A man is separate from that because Adam was created before Eve, therefore we cannot be defined in the context of a woman. 
And you must understand that as a man. Other than that, you're going to catch yourself thinking that if I don't have a girlfriend, my wife don't like me, and you're going to be all throned. Amen? Jesus never had a girlfriend, yet he was a perfect man. And part of the fivefold ministry is to revive man for manhood, according to the book of Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 12, I think it is. Amen? Now, after he comes to manhood and understands his purpose, then the fourth phase of a man, you know, and you can get that in the Bible. First, he says, let us make man our image and likeness. Let us give him dominion. He said, and uh, let him dominion over all these things. And then he said, creeping things, which talks about a spiritual dimension. Because Jesus talked about, behold, I give you authority to tread upon serpents, scorpions, and over all the power of the enemy. So it's a spiritual dimension because you're, when you start... If you're a businessman and you're a Christian businessman and that's your purpose, you will find a different element of warfare than the, the man who is not serving God. Because you have a spiritual element yeah. dimension to it. Because what you do inherit, in, in, it empowers a kingdom yes. to which there's a contrary kingdom. Right. The guy who's not serving the Lord, he takes his money, he goes to the strip shore, he does he, all kind of nonsense many times he does with his resources. Are you with me? Yes. Now, when a man, then he says, male and female created he them. So the fourth phase of a man's life is marriage. Because if you don't know your purpose, you don't know the nature of the woman you need. And the problem with marrying a woman because of how she looks is that gravity comes and attacks. <laughs> and if you love her because of how she looks, when gravity comes to an attack, then she is a she's due for replacement and that's the problem but if you have developed that woman based upon purpose the longer you stay with her it's the harder to, re to, to release her because the more valuable she becomes it does not matter what is pointing down instead of up on all these kind of crazy stuff amen because she's more valuable to you than anything else to go and start over and train another one nah I'm not doing that <laughs> you understand what I'm saying? And then the third phase of my, the fourth phase of a man's life is parenting, when he does succession planning. Amen? Because success without a success is failure. And that's where children come in. They come to give us a sense of continuity. Amen? And what you want to do is you want to not just give them a financial heritage, you want to give them a spiritual legacy. And that's the difference. Men like Rockefeller, how many you know Rockefeller was a born again, was a central Baptist? He was a deacon, he, he, he taught Sunday school, he swept his church, and he used to pay tithes, originally. Now, you wouldn't know that now, <laughs> because many times people pass on a, an inheritance without passing on a heritage or a legacy dimension. I mean, where you trap and you fix your children into the spiritual realm. Are you with me? Yeah. Now, the aim of God, if you look at, we had Psalm 127, yeah. verse 1. Except the Lord build the house, they labor in vain that build it. Except the Lord keep the city, the watchman wicked, but in vain. So he's trying to build houses, and then he's trying to build a city. Now, in the same thing, every time there's a revelation of the church, you're going to find city turns up somewhere. Now, he says, upon this rock I will build my, and the, where gates, cities, will not. In fact, Psalm 127, go down to verse 5. Happy is the man that had a scripture full of them. They shall not be ashamed. They will speak with the enemies in the, in the gate. Because it's the place of power, the place of authority. The place where God wants us to function from. 
Go with me to Genesis 28. Genesis 28 is probably one of the deepest uh, typology of the church. Genesis 28 verse 10. And Jacob went over Bathsheba and went towards Haran and he lighted upon a certain place and tarried there all night because the sun was set. And he took up the stones of that place and put them for his pillows and lay down in that place to sleep. The church is always at a certain place and purpose always starts in the dark. That's why if you read Genesis chapter 1, he always says the evening and the morning. So the day doesn't start when the sun rises, it starts when the sun set. Because purpose always goes from darkness to light. So when you come into a church, you think you know why you're here. But your first few hours actually in darkness, you're still gasping. And it's like even when you start off your life, you're still figuring out where purpose is coming. Are you with me? And then he says he took the stones, and the Bible says we are the, we are the lively stones. Amen. And he put that stone together to make the house of the Lord. And then, verse 12, he dreamed. Remember I talk about those dreams where God interacts with human beings and puts information? His back door. And God, verse 12, verse 13, sorry, verse 12, and he dreamed, and behold, a ladder set upon the earth, and the top of it reached to heaven, and behold, the angels of God ascending and descending on it. Now, please note that these angels are not descending and ascending. They are they're what? And then descending. So the origin is earth, not heaven. Because the fivefold ministry, which are the angels of the different houses, and the, the pastors of the church are called angels. When you read the book of Revelation 1 and 2 and 3. So, but your pastor's capacity to go up to the heavenlies to receive revelation necessary to establish divine authority in this generation and over your life is directly tied into the wrongs that you put in by your worship, by your attendance, by your giving, by your faithfulness, by your service. Are you with me? That's what I'm saying. This is one of the deepest typology. And then he says, behold, he saw the Lord standing above it. And then he said, I am the Lord God of Abraham, thy father, the God of Isaac, the land where thou layest. Today I will give it unto thy seed. Now, he always deals with a physical location. So you're going to find that you're going to have influence. The Bible talks about, I don't know if I can get there tonight, <laughs> but the Bible talks about uh, you've been faithful in a very little, ruled over 10 cities. So what you're going to find is that God may, depending upon the faithfulness of this church, God may give you footprints in 10 cities, 20 cities, 40 cities around the earth. And from the time your team steps in, you become an authority. Are you with me? But you must have a base from which to function. And that is what St. Augustine is. And it's a very important and highly historic, and that's what you call principalities. It is an archaeos being um, ancient. So you all have some ancient spirits here. And that's what I'm saying. But your ability to deal with them and put them in check also gives you the capacity to go to other places that are lower down the ladder and put them in check also. So the things that you all learn to develop here at your headquarters becomes a prototype when, when you go to other places to be able to release them into divine purpose. Are you with me? So God, he tells him and reminds him of the promise, etc. He says in the middle of verse 14, um, and in thy seed shall all the families of the earth be blessed. And I'm with you and so and so and so. Verse 16, and Jacob awakened out of, his, out of his sleep and said, surely the Lord is in this place and I knew it not. And many people come to church and don't know that God is in this place. He was afraid and said, how dreadful is this place? This is none other but the house of God. And this is the... So people think they could stay home. 
Hmm. But this is the house of God, and the house of God is the gate of heaven. Hmm. Something we don't know. And Jacob arose early in the morning and took up the stone of that place that he had put for his pillow, set up for a pillar, and poured oil upon the top of it. But many of you are attracted here because of pain, so when you come into the house of the Lord, it's your pillow. But once God begins to bring healing in your life, then you become, that word pillar means a statue or a military post. So the area from which God heals you, it many times becomes a springboard for you to help other people. Are you hearing me? When you're no longer ashamed of the pain, but you begin to understand it as light comes to unravel it and begin to release you into your position of authority. So you come in poor, they teach you the principles, you become rich. That's what happened to me. You become an evangelist of wealth around the world. You can tell people what God expects and what God will do for them. And then he called the name of that place Bethel, which is the house of God. And the name of the city was called Luz. So from the time he mentions house of God, he goes across and talks about the city of light, Luz, which is light. And Jacob vowed a vow saying, if God be with me and will keep me in the way that I go, and shall give me bread to eat and raiment to put on, so, it come again to my, so that I come again to my father's house in peace, then the Lord shall be my God, and this stone which I have set for a pillar shall be God's house, and of all that thou shalt give me, I will surely give the tent unto thee. So tithes are mentioned here. Hundreds of years before the law. Not just in the book of Genesis chapter 14, when Abraham, our forefather, the father of faith, gives tithes. Because there's some people who say you can't find it twice before the Lord. That's because you're not reading verse by verse. And then he understood the way to commit himself. You see, the tithe is, is a demonstration that you acknowledge God as the dominion, the ultimate dominion of the planet. And you submit yourself to him. Amen? And you submit yourself to his servant. Are you with me? Because God has delegated authority. Are you with me? So, go with me to Zechariah. Zechariah. We don't preach too much from this, but we're going to try something tonight. So the intent of God is firstly to have churches that will become so powerful that it will influence the city. But the secondary dimension is that cities will influence cities. I remember I was in Brazil at the time in 2008 when for the first time the United Nations announced that 50.1% of the world's population were now living in cities. That only happened in 2008. And when, I'm going to show you another script in the book of Isaiah just now, but say don't be known for the person as the person who ravished cities because that's where the warfare is coming to. Now there's some cities in America, it's almost Sodom. There's some cities that you can't even, I mean, you better be anointed to go San Francisco. Are you hearing me? I don't, your husband right now, he loves girls. You be careful, okay? If you let him go there to work. Anoint him, give him a lot of sex, and anoint him again. It is ever, <laughs> because I've heard of people gone there, Christian people, amen? And again, we're not attacking anybody, but we know what the Bible stands for, okay? And if you don't like me, I'm gone in two days' time anyhow, okay? In Zechariah 1, 18, 17. Crying, cry yet saying, Tussle, said the Lord of hosts, my city's true prosperity shall yet be spread abroad, and the Lord shall yet comfort Zion and shall yet choose Jerusalem. So 
for you all to go forward and begin to establish divine footprints, to literally come to the place where cities, you see, it starts off as the house, goes to the church, the collection of houses, and then it goes to the city dimension, and then you want to impact upon other cities. All right? Go with me to the book of Luke chapter 19. Luke chapter 19 is Jesus teaching us how to do evangelism. Jesus said, when you go out to do evangelism, go into the geographic location. He said, don't carry purse. Don't carry silver. Don't carry gold. Why? The people that you're ministering to must demonstrate that they have received you by taking care of you. And if they're not worthy of that, don't even carry the dust from their area with you. Now that's a tough thing. Hmm, your preachers want our money, and you don't. Now you've got to understand, the pastor, his motivation must be serving God, but God still rewards him. Everybody, God is a? He's a rewarder. And how do you know to follow this man? If you came here, and he came here in rags, and he was Ubering to church, <laughs> and his wife was coming later with a bus, amen? You would kind of, I'm not too sure if God is with this guy. We looked at that in the book of Ecclesiastes chapter 9. There was a wise man, a poor wise man, and he by his wisdom could have delivered the city according to the NLT or NET version. But no man listened to him. Because, why? Because of the words of a poor man is, this, is not heard and his wisdom is despised. Because, fine. You see, if you, don't have, you see, for a woman, if you don't have enough money to take care of yourself, what make you feel you could take care of me, honey? That's what a woman thinks. And they're not gold diggers for doing that. That's smart. Are you hearing me? Because if you can't even take care of yourself, if the man has one underwear, how much do you think he's going to buy for you? <laughs> Are you with me? Honey, you just wash it every night. I'm leaving in two days, <laughs> Amen? Because he loves his neighbor as he loves himself. And the Bible says money is a defense, wisdom is a defense. And that's what I'm saying. A poor wise man is an oxymoron or a wise man who did not complete his training. And it's that you need to understand. Not that God wants men to make money more important than everything else, but you've got to understand it's an important part of life. You see... Bible says, you know, and, and I believe that's the name that God re reserved in the New Testament. While he gave us all those other names, Jehovah, he says, ah, without faith it's impossible to please him, for he that, he that, he that what comes, must believe that he is, he is, and that he is a, now put it in the first person, he that comes to me must believe I am, and I am rewarder. That's the name of God. You know, that even though he told Abraham, I'm your shield and reward, that name he reserved for the New Testament to let us know he gives rewards. That's right. And you have to understand that. And the key to your prosperity and your health is being able to tap into the favor of God. Yeah. The reason why you don't die is because you're in, you're in God's favor. Yeah. Maybe years ago, Minister Prophet said, I will die in three years' time. Then his wife died and he died. I'm still alive. I understand how to use money. You understand? You see the Bible says, if you take care of the poor, in his hand, that God will take care of you in sickness. And I do that over and over again. So I learn to give down for, my, for help to protect me. And if anything comes in me, I say, God, if I die, who's going to help all those poor pastors in Trinidad? 
then God says, hey, Micah, hold on, hold on. Help, help that guy, help guy away. <laughs> because I'm willing, and it's not actually my geographic location. I've helped many pastors, even those who I know don't like me. They don't know, but I know. Amen? And I help them, all kinds of monies. Amen? And then you give up for your wealth. Honoring the servant of God, Bible says you get a prophet's reward. The Bible says, of course, the prophetic office is designed to redirect resources in the earth. Second Chronicles chapter 20, verse 20 says, Believe in the Lord, so shall you be established. Believe in his prophets, and so shall you prosper. Amen? So it's part of the anointing that comes along with the prophetic anointing. So he says, when you go into a city, don't walk with any money. Find who is worthy, which is the richest man of faith in that community, and go to his home. And if he receives you, declare your peace or your prosperity upon the home. But if they don't receive you, then dust it off. So Jesus comes to look in, in, into Jericho, verse 1. And Jesus entered and passed in Jericho. And behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus, who was chief among the publicans. And he was? Now, if that wasn't important, why would they say it? The man was loaded. Amen? And he sought to see Jesus, who he was. And could not for the press because he was little of stature and ran before and climbed up a sycamore tree to see him and he was pass he was to pass that way. And when Jesus came to the place where he to the place, he looked up and saw him and said unto him, Zacchaeus, make haste and come down, for today I must abide at thy house. Jesus found the man who had faith, he found the man who had resources. And he made haste and came down and received him joyfully. And when he saw it, they all murmured, saying, he was gone to be guest with a man that is a sinner. And Zacchaeus stood and said unto the Lord, Behold, half, my, half of my goods I give to the poor. Now if most of us say that, we join the poor. Are you hearing me? And if I have taken anything from any man by false accusation, I restore fourfold. And Jesus said, This man, is, his money is saved, therefore he is saved. That's my interpretation. Because as we found out with the rich young ruler, he passed all the holiness tests, but he couldn't pass the money tests. And many people, they are with you until you start talking money. Are you hearing me? Because the love of money is the root of all evil. And when you start touching money, people start, beha start behaving funny. Because you're t And even if they, some people might have been, I don't know, people have different responses of last night. Amen. Think, we raised about a million six for them all. Amen? Yeah. And then some people, they may not have even given a dollar, but they're angry. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? I mean, think about it. You didn't give anything. Now, after you give, then you can be angry. You know, like Sesame Street, after you lift the lid, then you can get the cookie. You understand? Know you didn't give anything, but you're angry. Something's wrong with you. You understand? Know it's because that demon in you, the money demon, and it's what I'm saying is activated. Amen? Now, <laughs> he said, This day salvation come to this house, for as much as he also is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that, not them, that. We always, when I was in the Wesleyan church, that's where I was, I, I was saved and filled. But we always said them. It's that. Now, the that would include them. What God is trying to restore is his original intention, which is that man in the image and likeness of God will bear rule in the earth, not Hollywood actors. You know, Hollywood actors, we don't even know where they come from, but if something happened, you stick a mic in them out. 
Why? What do they know? Who taught them theology? Who taught them what God expects? Are you with me? And as they heard these, sorry, and verse 11, as they heard these things, he added and spake a parable because he was nigh to Jerusalem and because they taught that Pastor Earl's favorite topic would immediately appear. <laughs> they, came up, they thought it would immediately appear. So what, what is the parable? Verse 12. Now, you're going to need the King James Version to catch this because some versions miss it badly when I'm, sh when I'm show you what it says. The verse 12, a certain noble man went into a far country to receive a kingdom, to himself a kingdom and to return. While this is the historic reality of Herod's son confirming his kingdom, it also represents Jesus Christ having been resurrected, gone up to the Father, but yet to come to confirm. And he called 10 servants and delivered them 10 pounds and said unto them, occupy or do what? Business till I come. But the citizens hated him and sent a message after him saying, we will not have this man reign over us. And it came to pass when he was returned, having received the kingdom, then he commanded these servants to be called unto him to whom he had given the money, and that he might know how much each man had gained by trading. Then came the first saying, Lord, thy pound had gained 10 pounds. And then he said unto him, what did he say? What did he say? Not well done. Well, there's no done there. And that's where some of the other virgins mess it up. Because in the talents, he says, well done. And the reward is, enter thou into the joys of thy Lord. When anytime you sleep and you hear, well done thou good and faithful, so enter the joys of thy Lord, it means you're dead. That's what that is. But this one is a transition in kingdom. So he doesn't say, well done. He says, well, thou good servant, because you've been very faithful in a very little, have the authority over 10 cities. So because you can handle resources properly, money doesn't own you, you own money, I can multiply you on the planet. Are you hearing me? Now, <laughs> hope you see that. Verse 18, and the second came saying, Lord, thy pound again, five pound. And he said likewise, be thou over five cities. And another came saying, Lord, here is thy palm, which I've kept laid up in a napkin, which means a sweat cloth functioning under the flesh. I couldn't work with sister so-and-so. I can't work with brother so-and-so. You know, Lord, that might be my gift, but I can't, I can't handle crying now. I know the, the way he wants to do this thing. You understand? I can't, and they vex so-and-so. And what you don't understand, the people sometimes that irritate you the most are the people who are best for you because they will help you to grow. You know how a pearl is formed? When I'm in a mollusk, there's an irritation, an irritant enters, and then it sacrifices life and begins to re release a chemical, I think it's lanine, and, that, and the pearl forms because of an irritation. If you take your irritations and pray about it, and it becomes a place and an entrance into God's presence, you will grow. But if you walk away from the dealings of God, what you're gonna find is that you're not going to grow. And if you can't handle the quarter demon that your brother have in church, how are you going to handle those people that have a legion? Now you hearing me? I know the people in church with a half and a quarter and a three-eighths of a devil. You know what I'm <laughs> Even got some pastors. <laughs> but if you can't handle that, how are you going to handle it? You know sometimes the best gifts you ever had was a terrible father. Sorry. 
Let me don't say father. A terrible brother or sister. Your, your, your sibling that used to steal your meat. Tap you on your shoulder. You look around. You look back. Your meat is gone. You know, that? <laughs> you know they toughen you up to face life. Because some of you would be wimps if you didn't go through some of those things. Are you with me? You know between home and between school and home, you better be able to run the 100 meter dash. That's why black people can run so fast. Because you got, the, you got bullies in between. And if you only stopped, my brother, you in trouble. Are you with me? Amen? Another came saying, so, so sorry, verse 21. For I feared thee, because thou art an ostrich or a hard man, that takest out what that thou layest not down, and reapest that thou didst not sow. And that was a lie. Because Genesis chapter 1, you know, always asks, does, does the chicken or the egg come first? The chicken came first. God didn't create eggs. He created things that were full-blown, that had the capacity to reproduce. He didn't create babies. He created men and women. Man and woman. Amen? So God sowed and that's why David says, Lord, everything that we give to you is from your own heritage, from your own possession. You gave us the capacity. So when people say, I'm not giving that church anything, well, you're just not giving back to God what he requires of you. And if God didn't speak to you, he doesn't even want your money. You understand? However, if God is dealing with you, you have to understand you can, if you resist the spirit, there's some people, sometimes the Holy Spirit starts dealing with them about giving. And they refuse and if you refuse at that time, you will find the Holy Spirit will not come back to you in that arena maybe for a year, two years, three years. And what you did is that you just prevented the authorization in the spirit realm for you to be lifted to another level of resources. And that's all. When God come and ask you for a seed of some sort, ask you to give, bless the family, bless ministers, whatever it is. And, and you know the reason why many people, are, I just need to say this, many of you don't see breakthroughs because your giving is so small. You give God a dollar, you walk out, you kick 25 cents, that's your return. The Bible says, he that giveth sparingly shall reap. And sparingly means little and at few occasions. But he that giveth sweat bountifully, which means big amounts, amen? Amen, and, in, and frequently. Now, hear what he says. Let's continue. He says, you should at least put my money in the bank. I'm going to rush down to a certain scripture. Because that's considered the lowest level is putting your money below the mattress. Or digging a can and digging up, putting a hole. The lowest is in the bank. Jesus, when he came and taught us about the kingdom, he did it in a very specific way. The first thing he teaches is about farming. Why? Adam was a farmer. So he goes back to farming. And then he goes on to teach about trading. He goes on to teach about doing fishing. He goes on to teach about all the different dimensions because he's teaching you how to build a kingdom. A kingdom needs fish. A kingdom needs farmers. It needs trade. It needs people who be miners. And of course, we only see the spiritual side. But the Bible says, first the natural, then the spiritual. You see, because Jesus... How did Jesus win Peter? People think he walked up to him and said, hey, Peter, follow me. No, sir. Jesus rented his boat. He said, push out. And after he was finished, he said, go out and cast the net. He said, Lord, we fished all night and we received nothing. He said, nevertheless, I die word. And when he threw over the net, it almost sunk two boats. And then Peter dropped to his knee and says, Lord, depart from me, for I'm a sinful man. 
because he was demonstrating to him that if you follow the superior purpose, the junior purpose will always be taken care of. Are you with me? The aim of the enemy is to get you. Now, when the apostles think they were not seeing Jesus, they went back a fishing. And that's why Jesus said, lovest thou me more than these? Which he's talking about fish. Because fish was, was, was Peter's lifestyle. It determined the wife he could get. It determined the family life he could have. It determined the taxes he could pay. Amen. And many times people don't go into purpose because they're worried about the money. And let me tell you something, God not just don't, don't, not only does God want to take care of the finances of the children, but he also wants you to be a blessing to your pastor. Amen? I'll give you all a lot of testimonies how many times I really learned that strongly as a pastor, and therefore I had to shoot it up to, to two people. I consider my personal mentor to be a guy from Missouri, and I consider Pastor Strata to be like my righteous man. Amen? Anytime they have a need and I'm able to, I get involved in it at crazy levels. Amen? In fact, that, oh, there are two books in the earth that are written, one by Apostle Strata, one by Jefferson Edwards, and I'm in the forward of both of the books because of my giving to their ministry. Amen, and I'm a Trinidadian. Right. Are you hearing me? Because money is a powerful thing. It can bring influence, it can open doors. God can speak to you in, from the heaven, but if there's no earthly voice to confirm, that's why the cross is heavenly, earthly. When David was anointed king, his first anointing was among his brethren for his training. His first, second anointing was in Hebron, among the elders of Judah. The word Hebron means communion. It also means association. So there is heavenly dimension. There's the earthly dimension. When he was anointed king over all Israel, all the elders came. And they anointed him again in Hebron. Associ communion, association. So even though God is speaking, if there is no earthly confirmation, God himself can't even do it. God will withdraw himself. You say, what? Whatever God wants, he gets. Then how come Israel walked around for 40 years in the wilderness? Understand what I'm saying? God needs men to confirm. And what you have to understand, when you go into the position of men of power, and I've, God has opened all kinds of doors for me. I've met the king of the robbers. I've met the king of... Well, I said my, my wife is the first cousin to the king of the Zulus. She's the niece of the king of, the, of, of Swaziland. I've been in the office of your senator from Rhode Island so many years ago, sitting down in his office. Um, all different kind of doors. In fact, the, 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 the ambassador from Trinidad to America he was a leader for my church. He's a retired general. He's the one. You know, the picture was him and Obama when he was appointed and all that, you know? God has always connected me in those arenas to learn things. And one thing I understand, if the people around a prince does not confirm him, people don't respect that prince. Are you hearing me? If you call your, if you call your husband Mr. Stupid, then nobody respects him, and then nobody respects you because you are Mrs. Stupid. And while he might have been born with a name, you chose it. Ouch. Are you hearing me? Amen. And then hear what he says, verse 24. And he said unto them that stood by, take from him the pound and give it to him that had ten pounds. And, he said unto, and they said unto him, Lord, he had ten pounds. 
For I say unto you, that unto everyone that hath he shall be given, of him that hath not, even that he hath shall be taken away from him. I'll give you the deepest revelation I ever got about developing wealth. This is what changed my life, to be honest, in all fullness. Learn to double tide. First tide goes up to heaven through a man of God. The second tide stays with you. Because the Bible said, he that hath shall be given more, and he shall have abundance. But he that hath not shall lose that which he even seemeth to have. If you don't learn to respect yourself by withholding some of your money, then God will not add money to it. This, sport, this scripture that, just, that I just quoted here appears in the New Testament five times, more than you must be born again. Three times, two times it's about revelation, two times it's about resources, and one, it, you can switch it between the two of them. I found out when I began to withhold so that God, God, I give the 10%, God gave me an open heaven, and with the 10% I, I retained, God showed me what to do with it for investment purposes. I know that, that it's not deep, it's not. Go to the book of Proverbs chapter 11, verse 24. I'll show you, this is where God taught me at first, and then he took me to the New Testament. So giving is extremely important. I am a vicious giver. I've given away four, four cars at least and one house. Amen. And I have houses now. I have lands. Verse 24. Most of the time when pastors preach this, they only show you one side of the revelation. There is that scatter it and yet increase it. Look at the second part of it. And there is that withhold that more than is meat. So there is a meat amount to withhold. There's a part of your money that doesn't belong to Amazon and doesn't even belong to church. So I found out when I began to give heavy and retain heavy that God began to give me dominion level wealth. Began to give me bigger money. Are you hearing me? Amen. He began to trust me. Now, I must say that, and, I'm gonna sh and I'll share that. It's getting late. Give me a few more minutes, okay? Go with me to the book of First Corinthians chapter 2. Verse 6, just to get a jump off. You need to read the whole chapter to get context. But verse 6 says, Howbeit we speak wisdom among them that are perfect, yet not the wisdom of this world, nor the wisdom of the princes of this world that come to naught. So there are two different types of wisdom that are constantly battling. Jump down to verse 9. But as it is written, I have not seen nor ear heard, neither have entered into the heart of man the things that God has prepared for them that love him. When I was a young believer, they told me this was heaven. Read verse 10. But... God has revealed it unto us by his spirit. So there's a dimension of life that God has ordained for you that, that hasn't entered into your mind or into your heart. You are, God has prepared you to be <laughs> and to experience things that you can't even think about at this point in time. Whatever you could think about in your own natural mind, there's something above that that God has ordained for you. But your capacity to, to, tie in, to, to get into that is tied into 
how you handle resources. Now again, people think that money is just natural. Then how could it be the root of all evil? Then how could it answer all things? Are you with me? Yeah. And I'm just trying to change your attitude to money, yeah. but not to make you tight, but to make you responsible, yeah. amen, and to be appreciative of the power of resources yeah. to fulfill destiny. Almost every member of your present Senate and Congress are multi-millionaires. Nancy Pelosi, I think she's like 110 million. You understand the average, the average, I think the lowest person is somebody with a million or something like that. Because money talks. Are you hearing me? Amen? And there's some of you whom God has ordained, not just to be an expression of his in the church, but to be an expression in the political side. Amen? Then you come back to church and they pray for you. They anoint you to give you wisdom, etc., etc., etc. Now, verse 12 says, Now we have received the Spirit, not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit who is of God, that we might know the things that are freely given to us of God. So the intent of God is that we develop relationship with the Holy Spirit, amen, so that we can be able to hear him at a moment's notice. That we'll be able to understand, one, how to flow in his nature, love, joy, peace, long-suffering, etc., etc., and to be able to, to move where the resource or his intent is. Sometimes it's just a word in time that we need to speak to somebody that will change destiny. Sometimes it's just... Sometimes the only difference between a family breaking up and staying together is a word in time. Yeah. Are you hearing me? Yeah. Let me rush down. Verse 16. And I'm cutting it really short here. For who had known the mind of the Lord that he may instruct him, but we have the mind of Christ. Yeah. Now, in other words, when you have the mind of Christ, you can now instruct God. You say, Bishop, what? Instruct God? The Bible says... Ask me of things to come concerning my sons and concerning the works of my hands commanding me. And there's some debate in theological circles about it, but I believe it's exactly that because Jesus starts talking about speak to mountain, speak to trees. And some of you, the reason why things are not breaking forth for you is because you're not releasing the word of faith in your mouth because you're not certain of divine direction. Amen? When you begin to be faithful with God, that would be the Malachi chapter 3, I'll try to close it there. As I told Pastor, there's so much that could be said, but so much will not be said. But you will find it by the grace of God. Verse 6. He says, For I am the Lord, I change not. Therefore, you sons of Jacob are not consumed. Even from the days of your father, you are gone away from my ordinances and have not kept them. Return unto me, and I will return unto you, said the Lord of hosts. That's the God of angel armies. But you said, wherein shall we return? So what's the question? How to return to God? What's the answer? Will a man rob God? Yet you have robbed me. But you said, wherein have we robbed thee? In tithes and offerings. And therefore, you are limited in your expression of truth. That's what the curse simply means. Stop thinking about, you know, a demon. It's your inability to function at your fullest capacity. Not being able to move at a hundredfold return. Amen? He says you're limited in terms, you know you can bring change, you know you have the power, but it's not happening. It's been restrained. It's because you have a restraint in you. 
He says, however, bring all the tithes. He says, he says the whole nation, you have robbed me, etc. this whole nation. Bring you all the tithes into the storehouse that may be meet in my house and prove me now, Herod. It's a guy on the internet, and a Jewish guy who says, in God we test. <laughs> Amen? So you, God says, the only time he allows you to try God, to test God, is in the area of your resources, because it's so important. He says, where it says the Lord of hosts, if I will not open the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing, that it will not be room enough to receive it. Now, while purely it could mean rain, and I accept that, thank you, Reverend Clay, amen, <laughs> I also believe it speaks of revelation. Upon this rock, I will build my church. When Jesus said, Father, in John 12, he says, glorify your name. And the Father said, I have already done it and will do it. And some said it thunder it. And it says an angel spoke to him, but Jesus had known the Father had spoken. You see, your inability to be clear in the voice of God in your life because there is a heart condition is what is preventing you from walking into the fullness of what God has ordained for you in the financial arena. Once any, all of us, as we clear up that particular, and the thing about finances is this, you could be good one day and bad the next because of the way you interpret light. Last but not least, the Bible talks about the evil eye, and the evil eye is not when you have a cookie eye or something like that. The evil eye means you're stingy. That's what it means in the Bible. Amen? Because just like how light is a metaphor for divine direction, for divine purpose, for creative energy, an evil eye is when you are unable to see how what you have can, can be the seed to release you into your destiny. The thing about money, the Bible says, when you give, it releases all grace. It is the only seed that the Bible talks about that touches the six different graces mentioned in the book of 2 Corinthians chapter 8 and verse 7. The grace of love, the grace of knowledge, the grace of utterance, the grace of, uh, the grace of diligence, the grace of something else, and the grace of giving. Because anytime again you're lacking wealth, it's because one of those things are missing in your life. Amen. Some of you have a problem why you can't get a promotion. You're always late. You lack diligence. Some of you, because you can't articulate, you lack the ability to utter. You have a problem in utterance. Some of you, you're good in business, but you hate people. There are many businessmen who don't even like people. And they think we don't know. It actually comes through their employees. Amen. And the difference between a top-notch company is when management love being there and the employees love management. Now you hear me, that will always make the difference in it. When some people, they crummy, they don't hate what happens, they will just fling the television over the, <laughs> over the gate. It is that all kind of crazy thing. And that's simply many times because management did not see human beings as human beings and treat them accordingly. Are you hearing me? And then, of course, he says the grace of giving itself is one of the most powerful graces. Amen. And I've taught my church this. Learn to hear the voice of God in the area of giving, and no man of God can abuse you. Are you hearing me? That story that I started, and I told you when I was at a certain place, and they were raising 1,000, 8,500, 25,000. I made a mistake and asked God, and he told me 8,500. The pastor they had said something, he said, if you do that, I will do this. And by the time I left, he didn't do anything he said he was going to do. So when I reached back to my country, I had the choice not to send any money because he didn't do what he said he was going to do. But I heard the voice of God. 
And it, remember that was the place when I, uh, for those who remember the story when I blanked out and there were only two black people in the conference and every whole conference people asking, is it you? Say, who else it could be, you know? Right? <laughs> Texas, you know? And the thing, <laughs> the thing about it is that the enemy tried to knock me out because he knew once I sowed that seed, my life was about to change. You know what I'm saying? And for some of you who heard the voice of God and you have obeyed the voice of God last night, you are gonna see a tremendous transformation. Some of you, you're gonna to have to hit that a bunch of hours a second time, a third time, maybe even five, six times. But God will not be your debtor. Are you with me? Thank you so much for listening to this message. If you want more, subscribe to our message podcast on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, and SoundCloud. Rating and leaving a comment will go a long way with helping our messages get better circulation. If you'd enjoy watching our weekend messages, visit youtube.com forward slash anchor faith. We'd love it if you'd subscribe, leave a comment or a like on the messages. If you'd like to find out more information about us and how we're influencing the world and help support the work we're doing by giving, just visit anchorfaith.com.